When we think about casting out demons, casting out demons is something that is the children's bread according to scripture. It is something that the Father has given each and every one of us access to. If we believe in Yeshua, fulfilled by the Holy Spirit. See, when Yeshua went to the Father uh, to ascend and the disciples were confused about it, they asked, you know, they, they were kind of distraught and he told them that this is a good thing because the Holy Spirit can now descend to be with you. And a part of that, it's not just for spiritual gifts as we've discussed throughout the weekend, but it's for a certain authority to be with us over the works of the devil. And when we think about the most obvious of that perhaps, the most obvious demonstration of that evil that we can see upon the earth, we see in the Bible that that is when Yeshua face-to-face encountered demons. And this was something that occurred often. I think we shouldn't be ignorant to think that that is something in the past, that's an old thing. Uh, No, demons haven't gone away. They're very much active. They're still working among people. And I think that the world is, it's evident in the world. Considering that the world is getting worse and worse and worse, it's not getting better. It means that demonic activity is increasing. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And so that means that our call as believers to go and cause our demons becomes all the more relevant, more important. And that's why the enemy has been so active to try on the opposite end of all of this, to lie up to us about demons, to tell us that they are powerful, that they are scary, We learn all of that in Hollywood, don't we? For all the movies, all those horror movies we so love sometimes. Which by the way, depart from that. It's not good for you. (laughs) Because you let that become your teacher and then you wonder why you have night terrors at night and they're in your house. Right, so we're not supposed to be scared of demons. They're supposed to be scared of us. And, and I want to submit to you that the truth of the matter is, is that they are scared of us, but when we don't know who we are, then they see that too. So it is important, just like any authority in this world even, we know what authority means. If you have a police officer and you see he's in his, his, his attire, suddenly there is respect there is honoring the authority of what he represents and the power he has to lock you up. We all know that. But so in the same way, you are clothed in a certain manner in the spirit. As to whether you wear the attire, if you will, of the kingdom of God. And the only way you will wear that is whether you put it on. See, you need to know who you are. Just like a police officer needs to know what he has been given in order to exercise that authority. And so before I open this up between the two of us more here, I want to just give you one parable. And that is that there's a king. He walks through, he's in his carriage and he's going through the village and, and all the people, they're coming out to see the king. And everyone's excited. Everyone wants to see him. Why? Because he's the king, because he has authority. But something occurs. The king forgets who he is. He's going through the town and and he doesn't recognize he is a king. 
Will there not be someone who comes and tries to steal his crown, who tries to take advantage of that situation? But if that king just understood who he was, that he was a king, that he had the authority to take the life of anyone who would raise their hand at him, then suddenly everyone is in their place. And so it is in the kingdom of God that if you just understood who you were, a son of the living God, a priest given authority from on high by the Holy Spirit, then every unclean spirit and every demon will suddenly sit in its place and submit to your words because you come in the name of the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. And so that is how he is sending you out. That is what he calls us to understand. All right, so Tom, uh, brother, I'd love for you to share a little bit about you know, just your experience and, and like I think we need to come down to like the practical elements of this, okay? Like when we are dealing with someone who we think might have a demon, maybe we're not even completely sure yet, you know, what does that look like? How do we proceed? Just share some of your thoughts about that, brother. So I will just say this, and it's just as we speak about demonology, is everything is not a demon. We have to understand that, right? When the, in the Galatians, Paul didn't say, now these are the work of the devil. He said, this is the work of the flesh. And he gives us a long list. So sometimes when we're trying to discern, is this a spiritual thing? Is this a fleshly thing? It's good to know a few things, right? So basic bottom level, whether they're fallen angels, whether they are disembodied spirits, we all have our varying views, right? The one thing which truth is they're here and we're dealing with them, right? So that we can all agree, right, so far? Can we raise your hand if you agree on that, right? So who they are exactly, we got our unbelief, but we're dealing with them. And so one of the things I learned, Brother Petey, is they, they manifest in the attitudes and the emotions. This is where predominantly you'll see characteristics that are dark and evil, right? They, this is where they show themselves. And so... If we bring this down like on a, a, a base level, a bottom level, when you're looking at somebody and they're angry, it doesn't mean they have a spirit of anger. But if that is got into a place, Brother Petey, and of course you can correct me anytime, when it gets to where you can't control it, it's stronger than you, it leads you, you're in servitude, you're in bondage to that, that's a different level. That's a different thing. You can be angry and not have the spirit of anger and then all of a sudden have a fit of rage and then never be the same person from that marked time because something has taken up residency on you and now there's a, um, you know, possession's not a good word. We understand that, right? Demonization, some type greater or lesser control over you is what that actually means. So... If you are struggling and you don't know physically your own self or you're looking at somebody else, has it gotten to the place where you just say, I don't know what to do. I just can't stop it. I don't, I, I've tried this. I've tried that. It seems just, you know, when Yeshua, remember the young boy that was brought to him and he fell in the water sometimes and he fell in the fire sometimes. It just seized him, right? And so some of the times when you're looking at things, you can you know, we got questionnaires we fill out. We try to vet people to try to get a good discernment. But one thing I ask is, you know, tell me what's going on. 
I, and then they begin to describe that, and then they tell me, well, I just can't stop. I can't stop. Amen. Amen, brother. I agree with you. And so, for, to, to make it simple, is when there is an extreme emotional outburst of some nature, that is something that can be an indicator of that. When there is strange uh, uh, outburst behaviors, um, when someone, when, when you, if you have a spouse, you have a friend or you have whoever it is, and it's like they shift into somebody else in moments of time, that it can be an indicator. Now, many people wonder about this, you know, you, alluded, you touched on this, is, is you know, can, a, can we as believers struggle with this? And this is what I'll say to that, a Christian or a believer whether as to whether they can have a demon, well, they can have whatever they want. You can partake in whatever you want. Just Just because you call yourself a believer and a follower of the Messiah, that does not mean that you can fall into deep, entrenched sin, temptations. You can give yourself over to the devil, open doors in ways which you may or may not even fully understand in that moment. And so because of that reality that we have free will to do whatever we want, it means that we can invite unclean spirits into our lives and they can work in our lives. Now, what is usually the case, however, is that they have come in, in our, because, before we became believers. They came in when we were in witchcraft. They came in when we were doing drugs. They came in uh, when we, were, uh, when we were, uh, had immense sin done against us, perhaps, traumas. I'm talking about the extreme situations we can all think of. In those extreme situations, doors can be opened and a spirit of fear can enter in. And then that becomes normal to us. But the question is not what is now normal to you because it's been going on so long. The question is what is supposed to be normal according to the biblical example of Christ. When we look at his life, his character, how he was, and we, and we look at ourselves, we need to, in, to be in pursuit of that character. And if there is a part of us that cannot be brought into submission, that is, that, that is not just, because the flesh can be brought into submission. Through fasting, through prayer, the flesh can be brought into submission. And demons can leave even in fasting and prayer. It often does leave, they often do leave in, without external intervention. Sure. But in certain cases, when there is a certain hierarchy of demon that is working in someone's life, then there has to be intervention oftentimes. And that's the cases that Yeshua dealt with. He dealt with people, often you can see in this, those situations, they were extreme situations. Whereas the, the one, the example that you mentioned. So when we are talking with someone, uh, we, are, we are looking for those symptoms. O- other obvious symptoms could be um, if there are, I guess this is classic, but if there are strange things happening in someone's house, okay, people, or if there are extreme demonic types of nightmares, is another place that could happen. Um, I don't know if you have any other examples that come to mind. One thing I want to say, go back, go is remember when the, this woman, Yeshua sees this woman that was bound for 18 years? He says to the Pharisees, should not this woman who is a child of Abraham. Now, would you call that a saint? Right? Galatians tells us we're the children of Abraham. So we're talking about believers. Yeshua identified her as a real child of Abraham. 
not the fleshly, but the real child. So when you are looking at, can a Christian have a demon? Can a Christian be possessed? They can't be possessed. They're not, the Lord is the owner, right? But oppression, servitude and bondage. How many of you could raise your hand that you had some type or form in your life? Raise your hand. So that's evidence, Brother Pete, right here. So um, going back to what does it look like practically? Again, it's not are they real or not. It's how do we detect them and how do we get rid of them? Amen? That's what we're going to talk about. How do we get rid of those things? So first, we need discernment. And I think that's part of what fasting does for us. You know, Yeshua said, this kind goeth not, but by prayer and fasting. I think it's twofolded. I think their ability to say, this is not just a sickness, this is a spiritual thing. And then having the authority and a clear, they can make this thing leave, okay? If you can't cast the world out of your life and get the flesh under subjection, how are you going to make the devil leave? Amen. And so it, because they come in because we have knowingly or unknowingly made some agreement with them through sin, because remember, it all started in the garden. That's how the enemy got territory with mankind. In the garden, that sin that entered in. So that's how demons get in. Now, that means that the first step is repentance. That the first step is that we need to turn ourselves back to him and we need to renounce, we need to repent, we need to uh, turn from the sin. That means we speak renunciation of that sin and we follow through of action. Yeshua spoke about, of course, the example. He said, when a demon is cast out, it goes into dry places seeking a place of rest and then it's trying to return. It goes back to that house, that person, and when it finds it empty, swept clean, and in order, that is, that is a certain type of talk there. It's interesting, because when you think about a house that's being rented out, right? what do we do? We go live in it, right? There's a, a lease that's signed. In other words, there's a contract. There's an agreement, so someone can live in that house. But when there is an eviction notice served, you need to leave by the order of a judge, the judge. And so then when you go, you can go. However, what do we do when someone then leaves? We go to that house, we clean it up, we fix whatever was broken, we sweep it, we make it ready for whoever is next. But when those demons come back and they see, oh, well, this house has been prepared, it's all ready, well, let's break back in. They can come back in, they renew the lease, and it says that they'll come back worse. That means... For us as temples, as houses that are walking, that when an eviction notice has been served, that we need to get someone new to live in us. And when he lives in us and the demons return, as they perhaps did in your testimony, tried to do in your testimony, then the father can say, what are you doing? And the father's waiting for them. And he's waiting to send them away and say, this one is mine. And so that's why it's so important for us that in whether we receive deliverance, whether we administer, help people in their deliverance, it is important for us to pray for them to be filled by the Spirit, for them to be discipled, for them to seek the Father, to grow in Him, and to not slide back into that which 
caused them to fall into that in the first place. The other example that I'll mention quickly is Yeshua said to the one man, go and sin no more lest something worse happens to you. That's the yes, same sir. talk there. Yes, sir, if you return to it, they will come back. So, now you ask, why is that? And I'll just, I'll just say this. If someone has received the, the incredible grace, mercy, power of God that casts out the demons from them, that incredible mercy and love of the Father that does that for us is supposed to bring such an awe, such a, a humility, such a, father, such a praise and glory to the Father for that. But if it does not, we return to that thing, to Satan's kingdom, and we lose the honor of freedom. We lose the right to freedom because we've trampled underfoot the grace that he has given us. And so it's important to choose rightly, to ensure that we make a commitment, all or nothing, gather or scatter, to follow him when we are seeking that deliverance. So, Tom, when we are, let's, let's go get into like practicals. Um, if there is someone who who we think may have a demon. Like, what do we do? Well, let me ask you a question too. Do you, is, and this is for everybody, is there such thing as self-deliverance? I, I believe yes, absolutely. I believe there's also certain situations where it's needed Amen. that we are there for one another. Amen. I agree. There is a thing of self-deliverance, but there is a point that you can reach to where you need somebody outside of you to help. I mean, do you agree with that? There, there is a real thing that you can, honestly, most of your problems, if you would really fast and pray, they would just leave probably, more than likely, right? But you may find there's something a little stronger that you need help and aid, and I have seen that. So, yes, sir, I just want to, yeah. I mean, so when we are dealing with someone uh, and we, we feel like there may be a chance. I, I was just with a man uh, a few months ago, and we were actually online doing this. And by the way, that's very possible. God can do that. <laughs> it is possible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the Father can work that way. So anyway, I was, I was in this video call of this man, and, and he has been through a lot. He has gone through therapy for many years. He is in therapy. He hasn't gotten much better. He's, he's gotten help from it, but to an extent, and there's just things in his life that he was not getting freedom from. And eventually I asked him, do you think that you may have a demon? And he said, you know what, no, I don't know about that. You know, you, I've gone through all the, deliver, like the, the breaking of generational curses. I've done all the prayers, you know, all that stuff. And I said, well, brother, you know, and, and I'll be honest, I'm sitting there, I'm not 100% sure, but I have a hunch. That's all I have at that moment because he's not showing obvious symptoms. But some interesting things are going on that aren't fully in his control. And so I just said, brother, what about I pray if you allow me and we'll see? And he said, you know what? Absolutely, let's do that. And so I just started praying. See, so this is with his permission. This is with him. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not there accusing him of anything. I'm coming in grace. That's important. Love. That person needs to feel like we're loving them. We're there for them. And so then, and, and when I just start praying, start speaking in authority, and, and this is the way. The way that Yeshua did it, the way that the disciples did it, the biblical way. I speak to any unclean spirit right now in the name of Yeshua, in the name of Jesus. By the way, they, they recognize both of those. <laughs> yes, they do. And I command you to go now. 
come up and out leave, when there's that authoritative language, even when they're trying to hide as is their objective, to be under the surface, because when they are manifesting, then they're exposed and they know that the odds of them having to leave is greater because you're gonna go after them. So, but when you call them out, when you come in the authority of Christ, they come to the surface, they manifest. And what I mean by manifest, for those who may not understand, is they, the person may start having strange movements out of their control. They may not. Maybe they, are, they may feel something. They may say, I am feeling suddenly a pain, and that pain is moving around my body. They may say, um, uh, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel this, this it's, they just experience something strange. And so when that occurs, there's, we increase, we push in deeper because now we know we're onto something. And so with this gentleman, just this particular case, as I finish this testimony, he, we, we commanded these demons to leave and he started having outward manifestation, strange movements over the video call and then they went one by one. And his symptoms, his issues that he's been with a therapist with for years left and he went to the therapist he went back to the therapist who knows him very well by now and the therapist is like wow you're so different even in the therapy session the things those those symptoms that was even diagnosed by the therapist he was like wow like you're it's gone because see there are certain things that are demonic in nature and no amount of counseling alone, counseling is wonderful, but no amount of counseling alone will cast a demon out if a demon is what needs to be caused out. Sure, yes, sir. Do you have any story or, or anything on your heart regarding that? I, I do have stories, but um, uh, I would say this. Another way is sometimes when you're praying for somebody, they'll say, I just hear something saying it's not coming out. That's a good indicator. If something is speaking to you, that's a good indicator that it's something else, right? If I'm laying my hands on somebody and I'm saying in the name of Yeshua, I command you to leave. And I say, I want you to be transparent. What do you feel? What do you see? I just hear like I'm not coming out. I said, okay, it's coming out. That's, that's a way, right? I mean, because you're not going to say that to yourself. You're there getting prayer. You're not going to be like, I need prayer. I'm not coming out. I need prayer, right? So that's, a, that's one of the ways I ask. I just ask people, oh, I want you to be transparent with me. If you feel, if you see something. I've had people say that I see you begin to pray and then everything goes black. And so there's different ways, different experiences that we've drawn from. You know, I had a lady come to me who um, I didn't know. She drove for a good amount of time to come. Me and a partner that I'm kind of helped training, he's with me. I've got a team that when I am do deliverance, I have a team that don't even know the name. They're just praying. I'm going to do deliverance from five to seven, be in prayer. If you get a word, text it to me. And that found that to be very valuable. So she gets in there, and there's no doubt in my mind, Petey, she's a Christian. I mean, I'm talking, you know, the BDI Pentecostal. Like, she's looking at me and telling me her story. I'm thinking, gee, he's a believer. And she's like, I just, my marriage is on the rocks. She said, I just had this my whole life. I can't get rid of it. I need help. I'm to my end. I said, all right, let's pray. And literally, I just said, Jesus, and she bent over like, what? And she started to scream and holler and contort. And I looked at my friend. His eyes were about this big. 
And we began to pray. And I had called my wife because there was supposed to be a lady with us who couldn't make it. My wife had never been to the office, but she found us by the screaming of this woman just hollering out, right? So anyway, she gets up there and we cast out three or four things and she stops and says, I just got to take a minute and praise the Lord. She began to worship for a minute. She's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm like, I'm ready too. So we went back for another session and she got a few more things out. And about a month or two later, she sent me a text said, my husband's back, still delivered, praise the Lord. Amen. So it's not me. This is something I, I really feel very strongly about. I want you to understand. Everything Pity said is right, but there's something that I want you to hear. God invests in his people, just like a business. If you're a good, profitable business, you have people that were willing to invest in you. What causes demons to leave? What causes people to respond is God's investment of his spirit in you and the backing of holy angels that you don't see, right? So the reason they respond to us is one, we're a child of God, but God has invested in us. God has invested in you. And demons respond to authority. They respond to that. They understand it, even though they don't like it. They'll tell you they hate you. They'll say, I'll scratch your eyes out. They'll cuss you, all this stuff, but they can't. They're not allowed to. They have no permission to do those things. And you don't have to fear those things. We have authority to trample on them under our feet, right? Scorpions, snakes, all this stuff. And they will by no means hurt us. And I want you to understand this also. It's not easy to get a demon. If it's easy, why would they come out of a legion and beg to go on hogs when they could have filled the land of the Gadarene and took anybody they wanted? It's not easy to get a demon. And it's not easy sometimes to get them out. That's why you need sometimes help from, from people. Yes, sir. Amen. And I'll, I'll add this. Is in, in the middle of that all going on, if you're busy casting out a demon, they're going to lie. Shocker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're going to tell you, I am a legion. That's what they tried with you. I believe that they were actually trying to intimidate Yeshua because that's what they do even today. In my experience, they are going to try and intimidate you. They will say, I am, we are a lot, we are many, we are strong. You, and they'll say, you didn't fast enough. They'll say, you're not strong enough of a believer. They'll say, you didn't have authority. I'm the, Lucifer. I'm Satan. Yeah. yeah. I'm Satan. They even say sometimes, I'm Jesus. He's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Uh, um, so at, at the end of the day, why am I saying this? It's because do not believe what they have to say when they're trying to get to you. Because they know their only shot at getting out of this situation is for you to give up. It's for you to doubt, for you to fall into unbelief as to who your God is because he's the deliverer. You're not the deliverer. He is through one. you. Yes. So you have to submit to his authority, then they submit to the authority of him through you. So um, I also want to just add this little testimony. There was a lady, she was a Christian. This was in South Africa a few years ago. And she came to us, she had... Uh, as a child, been involved in witchcraft, her, her mom had her involved in certain rituals. And so she, as a believer, had this issue where when she was reading the Bible, she had strange movements. She couldn't focus, she couldn't pray. She, whenever she wanted to do anything spiritual, the demons tried to distract her. And so she came into our Bible study and we just prayed for her. She started manifesting in a very similar story to the one you just told. And something happened. It went on for a long time. 
Okay, and this, this sometimes can occur. So it went on for, she was involved in heavy stuff, so that means that there was a lot of heavy stuff happening in her. So that went on for an hour, hour and a half perhaps. And then we started, and we saw, we saw them leave. We saw one by one leave. You, you start just seeing that by nature. You can kind of discern that happen. And then we hit like a, a, a wall where whatever was there, it wasn't leaving her. And this is where spiritual gifts come in. Because in that moment, I was like, Father, what do we do now? In my heart, I'm like, Father, what do you want me to do? And, and I'm like, Father, do something. And we start praying, praying, praying. And she starts speaking in tongues. The, the, the lady who, who's trying to get delivered, right? She, she starts speaking in tongues. And as she speaks in tongues, I get an interpretation for what she's saying. And she says something along the lines of, and I don't know any of this at that moment, but like, like I don't know her past of this nature, but she says, my mother, my mother, my mother, I need to forgive my mother. And I tell her this in English. In English. I say, you just said, my mother, my mother, my mother, I need to forgive my mother. And she falls on the floor, bawling her eyes out, crying, because her mother was the one who was bringing her to, through all of these witchcraft rituals. And so in forgiving her mother there, suddenly she's completely delivered Amen. from all demons. Amen. That was the same thing with this other lady. When we hit that place, yeah. it was a mother. And she had went through renunciations before, said, I thought I'd forgive my mother, but the thing spoke out of her and said it hadn't forgave her mother. Same thing. Awesome. I want to also add this. When we are thinking about this, many people are scared because it's strange looking. It's, it gives you a, a, a very real picture of the supernatural realm. So the first time you see that, it's a little intimidating for our flesh. And so many people operate out of that fear. You need to get away from that fear. You need to understand who you are in Christ as we've been discussing. But there's something, there's theology that we sometimes create from that fear. Now, like Tom said, I agree with him, right? When we're going, we're doing stuff like this, we know we're going to do deliverance. Hey, have someone pray for you. That's all great. But he's not asking his friend to pray for him because he's scared of the demons. He's doing it because it's always good to have support, people on your side. So we don't, people talk like this, and I'm just going to dispel this. They say things like, and and look, I'm not against what I'm about to say, but just, just bear with me here for a moment. They say things like, ensure that when you go through this, you, you, know, you have people who are covering you so that you don't get backlash. In other words, and that's talk for, so that the demons don't come after you and your family. right? And that is a fear perspective where you believe that the demons actually, because you're working for God and you have the power to cast them out, but now after that, they're going to come off your family. They're going to come and enter you somehow. They're going to come off your things of that nature. That is not biblical. Okay? We, Yeshua did not warn us of that. Now, it's not that we don't pray for protection. It's not, but we don't operate out of that fear. I never am scared of demons. From my perspective, and this is just what the Father has shown me personally, is, is they're like little babies compared to a believer. And in fact, I have seen it, and you may have perhaps too, I have seen them starting to cry out of the people as they're about to leave like babies because that is really what they are in comparison to the power of God. So why would I be scared of them afterwards? 
Why would I be cowarding as to what's going to happen thereafter? It's so important for us to have that perspective and not start teaching from that place of fear because that, act, so here's, and this is the last thing I'll say about this is, is what you fear you give authority to. God says, fear me, I am the one true God because he's the one true God and I am who I am. I fear him. But if I fear the devil, what I am saying is the devil is stronger than my God. Because you can't, you have to pick and choose. Who are you going to fear? Are you going to fear the one true God and, and who he is? Or are you going to fear the devil and his little minions, his little babies? That is so important for you to, to make a decision about so that you do not give authority. Because then in the, in the fear, you give authority to them because they see the fear and they see that you're not submitted to God and you don't have faith in God as the deliverer and the all-powerful one. And they will try and take opportunities. I'm not saying they're going to, they're going to, they don't just enter people like Tom said, but they're going to try and try and just bend the rules. They're going to try and come closer. I hope that makes sense. I don't know if you want to add anything. No, you did good. Yes. So I would like to just open up the floor for a few minutes. If there's any questions in the room so what, what what do we do with somebody who has like either like a mental issue that doesn't like allow them to function or is it really a demon because like it almost looks the same but at the same time we don't want to like you know lock up poor people in mental institutions when they need deliverance so how do we differentiate between something that's like a chemical imbalance and something that's like of satan so i know that's a good question and I by no means have all understanding or authority, okay? But in my experience, that has been something many times that I've wrestled with. And so there are a couple of practical things that I'm, I am learning. Um, and again, I don't suggest always trying. When you start doing deliverance, and you're, it's not a question and answer thing with the demon, right? You're... you're your, your objective is to get this thing out. That's your objective. You know, we don't have to, we don't have to spend an hours and hours conversing how you get in here, how long you, those things are needful at times. But one thing I'm learning is there is a reality that the brain can suffer trauma and break off and have an alter. There's a reality to that. That's a real thing. They are chemical imbalances. There is mental illness. All that is the truth. And so that isn't always a crystal clear thing. But I'm, what I'm learning is a lot of times that altar that's broken off to deal with the trauma, that's a natural thing the brain does. But a demon can hide in that place and stay there. And you're dealing with the core person and you're not even really dealing with the problem. And so these things keep reoccurring and reoccurring. So going back to your question, if, if, there's, if this is something I'm going to kill you, that I'm murdered, when it gets to that level, to me, naturally, I would say there's something demonic there. Now, does, does that mean there's not somebody that's lost mental capabilities that got there? I believe that. But in our generation, we would more diagnose it as mental illness or something as look at it as an evil entity or an evil spirit, Okay. I lean towards evil spirit more, but not always. It is not a hundred percent case. So when you, if you get into deliverance or you have been, 
And I know our sister's here and she's got a thousand more knowledge than I do on mental illnesses and the way the brain functions and how you deal with that and core personalities and how many splits, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, she's going to bring some more tomorrow. But we're dealing with demons and entities and their job is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's what they do. And going back, this thing wants to kill, it wants to destroy. To me, that's a great sign that there's something driving that that is not natural or fleshly. Amen. Good answer, Tom. What would be key indicators to let me know that I need uh, more intervention, that I need to dive deeper? Well, uh, like we discussed in the beginning, I would say the those extreme outbursts of personality of whatever, wherever that goes, not just anger, but anything. It can be sexual, it can be anything. Um, that is a, a good indicator. If there is a, I mean, you can just think in the word demonic. If it is demonic, this is not just a, this is not just a something that I'm going through right now. This is a something evil that is, I see in me that is out of my control that I can't handle, right? That is, that is an indicator. Does that help you? Yes, it does. Um, the second part is regarding children that are still living with their parents. Um, how much authority do we have over the vessel of the child with regards to the influence? What I'm saying is, um, let's say... The, we have to deal with a situation and the child wants to deal with the situation but then later doesn't. So at, if the child is still mine in my home or somebody else's child in their home, how much authority does the parent have over that vessel? I guess more specifically, let's say there was a situation and the the demon is cast out, the, the, the child is delivered, um, does the child need to be in agreeance, even if the child doesn't realize there's something going on, uh, or okay. is it the authority of the parents over the child? Okay, I understand. So you're talking about a child who's too small to really understand what's going on. That's really what you're asking. Yeah, absolutely, right? When, as parents, you're given, you have authority in your child. You can uh, present your child to freedom. You can help them pray, you can pray for them. If they, when they don't under, the person who's getting delivered doesn't need to fully be aware of what's going on. If they are capable, and this is what we see in the Bible, there are children obviously in the Bible that are getting delivered by Yeshua, and, and they seem to not be really capable of much, but the parents brought them, right? And so, absolutely, yeah. yeah as, a, as a parent, you have authority, and that's Again, we're dealing with things that understand authority. And so if you're a parent and you have a child, you know, you have the authority. It may take, honestly, brother, and just like your case or anybody else, it may take a real dying for you, fasting and praying to deal with that thing, but you have the authority. So just be mindful. You, you have the authority of that. And again, I don't think I've ever met anybody possessed. I've seen a lot of people with a lot of demons. The gathering demonic was a, had a legion. How many is a legion? I, 
I don't know, 2000 ish. Yeah. Would a possessed man run towards Jesus or away from him? The man that had 2000 ran towards the son of God. So even in all of that, he still had enough of himself and all of the torment that he felt, he ran to the son of God. Amen. So if anybody was ever possessed, it'd be that man. And I know that we've heard things where they say the same, I'm a legion, there's 2,000, 5,000, 9,000. And I think sometimes they're making that stuff up. Not the people, but the demons, all right? Not that there's not that many. We don't know how many. So again, possession is not a good word. And I just want to bring that home because possession almost wants to breed hopelessness. We're not breeding hopelessness. Amen. It's not a biblical word either. The no, word in the Bible is demonized yes. or demonization, right? And that's just a general term. Um, I just wanted to mention intrusive thoughts. The enemy comes and he knocks on your door. And it's really important when that intrusive thought comes that you swing your bat. Meaning don't let that thought enter into that ear gate and, and, and sit there. And so I've seen people in private practice that are tormented, or even state psychiatric hospital, they're, they're tormented by an intrusive thought. But intrusive thoughts are a part of a human experience. And so it's really important that we don't agree with the enemy. So when you get an intrusive thought, if, you're, if you really stand your ground and reject that thought, and you're able to keep your footing, then that's an indicator that, okay, I'm fighting the good fight. But when that intrusive thought becomes a stronghold, like uh, these gentlemen were talking about, then you've got company more than likely. And so, you know, if you get an intrusive thought, make sure that you, you reject that thought as quickly as possible. Don't entertain it. Don't build a, you know, an altar for it. Deal with the thought. Don't ignore it because it's hoping you'll turn your back on it. Like have that that power and authority, put it underneath your feet in the name of Yeshua. So I thought I'd share that. Oh, wonderful, Anna. Thanks for sharing that. And yeah, um, I, would, I would just add to that as well. That just, and that's the key. It's intrusive, so it's not your own. We can have thoughts that aren't our thoughts. It's like, where did that even come from? Yeah. You know, and it's like, this is so evil. I, I, it's not even from myself, right? And so many people, when, they, when an intrusive thought comes, it's like... Oh, why am I thinking this? Oh no, I'm such an evil person, and I'm so you know. And then they feel guilty, shame, condemn, condemnation, all these things. But the enemy is is aiming for that. We should just identify. Well, that's not my father's voice. That's not even me. That's the enemy, and resist the devil, and he Hopefully. will flee from you. You know, it reminds me of a story I heard of a man. He was, uh, he was a preacher. He's a pastor. And he goes out to this. He's standing on the edge. There's a cliff there. And there's another man there. And they're just looking out. And the pastor, as he stands beside this man, he hears something tell him, jump. So the pastor, knowing how to take thoughts captive, he said, I ain't going to jump. You jump. And the guy said, what'd you say? He said, I was standing here and something told me to jump. He said, I told it to jump. The guy was getting ready to jump off and commit suicide. And if the pastor would have kept his mouth shut, he probably would have been there and left. But because he heard that same spirit whispered to him, but he had enough understanding and enough boldness to say, I ain't going to jump, you jump. And it opened up a conversation where this man that was going to kill himself was delivered. 
So you have to take, the Bible says so, right? Take every thought captive and bring it into the obedience of the gospel. That's your job. God's not going to do that. You have to do that, right? We have to be the one that grabs those things. And uh, even, I think it was, was it Neil Anderson with Bondage Breaker? Even in prayer, deal with your thoughts. Take them captive and cast them down. Have you uh, seen this kind of torment um, connected with traumas quite a bit? Like when people are traumatized as or as children or whatever. It's one of the main avenues. Yeah, that, that's what I was wondering about. And I wondered if you had any thought about that, why it would be like that. And the other question is, <clears throat> when you're doing this deliverance, do you need... Um, to have a name for what, you know, spirit of whatever, uh, or is it, can it just be generic, like, get out of here, okay? Get out of here. Yeah, go for it. Um, your, your first question, I was, uh, I've been doing some research here lately. Do you know that, and our sister could probably attest to this greater than me, that in the last couple of decades, the amount of satanic ritual abuse has went up 93%. In their cases, like trained psychiatrists, you know, that are trained to look, 93% increase in satanic ritual abuse. And there's a lady that we have been walking through, and it's a, I mean, she begins to be so detailed in things she remembered then, never remembered till, the, till now, and she's in her 30s. But all the abuse, all the trauma, you find torment, you find terror, you find a lot of things attached to that because of what they went through. And if you look at satanic ritual abuse, it's meant to do that. It's meant to divide this person into a lot of different things, to be programmed to do something, to be something. Um, and so that's very much a thing that you'll find um, when you begin to delve into deliverance and demonology. So just like we here, this is an atmosphere and an environment of the kingdom of God, of freedom and deliverance when we are up here worshiping. That's why you experience that. You feel that. And, but the kingdom of darkness, they're looking for the opposite kind of environment because that opposite terrible environment that is created in such an example is what allows, just like where the Holy Spirit can come and use us in a positive environment, the opposite is how demons now can try and gain access to an individual. So the second question was regarding the names. Uh, do you need to know the names of of the demons you're dealing with. Tom, I'd, I'd love to actually hear what you say about this. Yeah. I'll, I'll share my one, my okay. one thing. Um, if I did know, I probably can pronounce all of them. I, I, <laughs> you know? So this is... We would write, we'd be yeah. writing books like... <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Don Dickerman has a book, he says, with 100,000 demon names in it. 100,000, okay? What, a lot of times when you're dealing with demonology and deliverance, you're calling by function. Okay, it's a function. Spirit of fear, spirit of anger, Jezebel. How many Jezebel spirits are there? <laughs> Nobody's answering. This is my opinion, okay? You and I, we come in the name of Yeshua, right? So when somebody says they have a spirit of Jezebel and they leave and somebody else comes in and they're praying or there's another spirit of Jezebel, my understanding is they operate under that uh, that principality that power they're all like they have a different name if you could pronounce it but they're acting in the function of they're acting as a representative of that main spirit 
You go to different places, you go to different areas, you'll find a predominant spirit thing. You know, you, something is going on. They're all given to drugs. It's all homosexuality. It's just predominant. And so that's for But you, how many spirits of fear are there? There's phobia and fear and terror and all these things. They kind of group together like a family. So we're calling this spirit that's causing fear to leave. It might have a name, Bob, or something you can't pronounce. So the reason why it's not, it's not very, you don't have to know every spirit's Poor name. Poor Bob. Yeah, yeah. There's, I hope there's not a Bob in the room. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bob, Bob, if you're here, we, yeah. So it's not important to know the name. Yeshua didn't say, we find one occurrence scripturally, what is your name? Many times he just said, leave. And so, again, I agree with Brother Peter. You don't counsel them. You drive them. You evict them. Right? That's what you're doing. This is, a, this, is a, this is warfare that we're doing. We're driving them out. We're casting them out. We're giving them an eviction notice that they must leave. So, we call it... But, I mean, we've heard of names. You know, Bacchus, this, this demon or this fallen angel of, of alcohol, and it goes all the way back to Roman times. You will find names and hear names, and, and maybe when you're praying, maybe you've had this, Brother Petey, you're praying, and all of a sudden you get a name. I was praying downtown our city, and the Lord spoke to me and said, there's three principalities in this city, one major and two minor. And so then He spoke to me a name. And I never heard the name. I went home, began to look, and about a, in a 1974 Jewish dictionary, I found the name, and it was the spirit of death and darkness. But I never heard it before. But God spoke it to me, and I began to do some research, and I found it to be true. So God can reveal you the name, but a lot of times, in my understanding, we're dealing with a function. Absolutely. I would, so, and that's why it's important for us to not create new theologies Look at the simple example of Scripture. Uh, when we look at how Yeshua did it, it was quite simple, straightforward. And I'm not, I'm not against, any, Tom, I'm 100% agreeing agreement with what Tom just said. But don't feel like, oh, I need to figure out the name before this demon can leave. Because now you've put a barrier to your faith. And so we don't want to put up any barriers that are necessary. There is, there is a power in calling out the principality that is working in a person, absolutely. So we can rely on the Holy Spirit to show us if we're not sure. And then we go on that, we call it out, and we can see if there's a response. A lot of times it's just a progression. Unclean, I come against every unclean spirit in this, and then they're going on. And you're praying and you're listening. Listen, this is by the Spirit of God. This ain't flesh. So while you're praying, you're listening. Lord, tell me, help me. What's going on? You're praying, you're interceding with God, you're listening. God sometimes gives you downloads and things like that. And so while you're praying against these unclean spirits, it could be the spirit of fear. But there's been times I've been casting a spirit of fear out of somebody and it wasn't fear. It was rejection. It was something else. There's fear. I'm fighting anger, but it ain't anger. It was abandonment that was producing anger. So as you walk this out, you can be casting a fear out and there's no fear there, really. And there's fear in the, in the person. But what you're dealing with was abandonment, rejection, isolate, all these different things. And so, again, I am not like, you know, this is not by no means exhaustive. This is limited on my understanding, knowledge, and wisdom, experience. Um, I had a question about um, 
right here. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I, if you have adult children and you try to deal with like generational curses, does that like work for adult children or do they have to renounce those sins themselves? Well, our prayers like for. Yeah, like if you're the one praying for them and they don't, you know, really believe in generational curses and all that kind of stuff and they're out of your home, like does that work for them or do they have to renounce all that to stuff? To make themselves? it simple, right? If we even just move away from the demonology topic, demons right now, when we're praying for our children who may not know God, who are far off, who are outside the house and we're praying for that particle to come back, they have no idea you were praying perhaps. And how many testimonies are there of, I turned back to God and then I found out my mom has been praying for me, my grandma has been praying for me all of these years to come back. So the power of God absolutely works on the prayers of us for our children, whether our children are on board with our prayers or not. The Father hears our cries and He moves and He goes after their hearts. So uh, yeah, absolutely. But then when it comes to the, the, the absolute you know, deliverance, that person coming to Christ, they need to make that decision, right? You, we pray for them to come to a place where they can make that decision. Yeah, and all, honestly, you can, you can do a lot of damage to the person by saying you got a demon, you know what I mean? You're my son, my daughter, and you got a demon in you. Well, that ain't going to help things, right? In all reality, let's be real, it ain't going to help things. So while you're praying and interceding and asking God for grace and mercy and all this right here, if you know that it's there in your secret place, that's where you'll be praying for that thing. Lord, I ask you to take that out of her, out of him. And you love the person and there might be a time, Mom, I just need help. I can't do this. Can I pray for you? I just, sometimes I feel like you're battling a spirit of fear or whatever. Can I pray for you? Yes. Now you've got permission from them. They're a grown person. You've got permission. So you can attack that with full faith. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to wonder, do I have it? You understand? Does that help you? That would be a way to attack that. In a, so you're praying and fasting and doing things in the secret. And then when that presents itself, mom, dad, I need help. I can't. Um, this is greater than me, stronger than me. And you can, um, you can you know, attack it in a different light. I hope it helps you. And the key to intercession is patience. Can, can I just add something on that part? And, and maybe it's, um, I'll answer it. If you have a, a child that left the home and who's not a believer, I wouldn't want to cast the demon out of them because the, you know, it won't fill the Holy Spirit. The biggest thing is for them to come to the gospel first, then be, then be delivered. Okay. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like if you, you, know, you start learning about deliverance and you see generational curses over your family and you start to pray like over your family, and you have adult children, do you have to like, you know, I'm not talking about casting a demon out. I'm, to, I'm just talking about cutting off the generational sins. Do you have to have, like, do they have to be in agreement with that? Or can you do that as their parent, but they've already left the home? So my understanding of generational iniquity and curses is, is this. My, the Campbell name, the Campbell family, let's just use me. Our, the Campbells are not known for temperance and patience. We're just, it's not there. My dad hated his dad. On his dying deathbed, I said, Dad, you need to forgive your dad. He said, I'll never forgive that SOB. I said, Dad, you have to. So for me and my sons, this has been a prayer and a cry and something I bring to their attention. 
We, it'll die with me. That curse is broken in the name of Yeshua. And I tell them, we are not operating like this. This thing is dead. It will not be operative in my life, right? So that's, I'm attacking it. I've repented of it. I've asked God to forgive my name, my family. I've, I've, I'm like, I've done all of those things. But what I'm learning about generational iniquity and generational curses, there's a reality that they're still looking to bring that curse on the next generation. So according to what they do, and I'm talking about like our sons and daughters, that's why your cycles, your mannerisms, the things you do in your home really, really, really do play a part in your child's life. But they are, you say it's broken for you. You're, you've, you've repented. God's broken the curse. God has set you free, whether it's whatever it is. And then you begin to see that in their life. One, it could be something they learned before it was broken. It's a pattern. Two, it could be that that thing is still looking for a way into your family because years ago, generations ago, there was something made that gave right to that. And because you broke it, doesn't mean that they're going to say, okay, I can't have the family no more. They're going to skip you because you've made a right with the Lord and they're going to try to still carry on in that name. That's what I'm learning, okay? That's what I'm... So if you see that, then I would, I would bring, like I do with my children, I bring that to light. John, Tim, my sons, the ladies, not as much, my sons. Do you understand this? Yes, Daddy, I understand this. We ain't going to play this game. You might be mad at me, I might be mad at you. We're not playing this game. I'm going to, I love you. We're going to work through this. We can bump our heads. This will not rule our life. I will, and that's how I battle the thing that's caused other people and generations to turn away and never speak. That would carry that curse on. To break it means you're actually breaking it. When it shows up, you break it. So something practical you could do is not turn it on them, turn it on you and say, this is what I found. This is a generational thing that I've had to fight my mom, my dad, their grandma, their grandpa. And I just want to let you know this, just relay it to them in a way that it, you're the example, not them. Okay? You're the example to where they can receive it. You're not browbeating them, but you are giving them truth to where they can be like, okay, I, under, I see this and I understand it. Does that help you? Okay. Kind of along the same lines as that is, does a person have to be desiring deliverance? Because my, I have a very close family member that I know there's demonic activity there, and they are far from God, yet in the head knowledge, they, you know, say, I pray all the time, and but yet in the next breath, they might be cursing God, cursing people around them, and things that this person has told me about demonic activity even in their home and different places they have lived, yet, and we've had a lot of spiritual talks about the Lord and different things, but does this per do they have to want deliverance first and foremost? And I don't really think this person even knows the Lord, even though they were brought up in a godly Christian home and all that. But there is a lot of trauma from their past and their upbringing. So how do you deal with that? Is that something you just pray? Or can you cast demons off of that person? Or no, don't go there because they're going to come back seven times worse. Yes, I would, I would be an example, be a light to that person. I would let the powerful power of God and His grace that He has done in your life shine so that they could see that 
so that they are drawn to a jealousy to want the same thing. And so that they would see the, because this is what happens when someone who's filled with the Spirit and who's really after the Father, really sacrificially living, coming into the room, it makes other people who aren't living that way, who aren't filled by the Spirit, spiritually uncomfortable. I'm not talking about just they see you, how you've changed your behavior, that's a big deal, but also they're in the spiritual realm, the demons inside of them are going to be uncomfortable, and, and their soul, which is there, which is seeing, which is who has a relationship with you, they're going to be like, why is she so different? Why does she respond differently to the trials of life and when we have an argument and all of these things, and then they're going to have their heart turn to want to be delivered, to be the way you are, delivered. And so, yes, I, I would be cautious as to just try and cast our demons out of them when, when they love their sin so much. Right? That, that which gave them the demon in the first place, even perhaps. It's safe or not. I agree with you. Um, as a mom of several children, and I'm now a single mom, um, I know that there's been like trauma that, and things that have been introduced into our home through, my, uh, through their children's father. Um, but sometimes the rebellion... I would say gets to the point where it's like, how much can I do as a mom and still maintain like living in the home with a bunch of children that are like basically manifesting all kinds of stuff like rebellion and screaming and chaos and hurting each other. You know, it's just like a completely chaotic situation, but like I'll pray to Yahshua and I'll just say Yahshua just rebuke all this and and nothing really happens like because is it like they have to want it to happen or like can I actually get peace in the midst of them manifesting yes there is a place to cast all demons out of your own children if you are really failing you feel in that you feel like you're really struggling in that I would seek out another spiritual, someone who you respect and honor, who, who's mature. If you are really struggling, because here's the thing with it, it's sometimes more difficult to minister to family. It sometimes is. And so sometimes it needs someone from the outside to come in and really be able to reach further. Yeah, sister, I would um, I agree with Brother Petey. You have the authority, but... What I'm learning is with trauma and multiple children and maybe multiple traumas, what's going on is trying to destroy you, rob your faith, beat you down to where you don't fight. Because there's a reality that, you know, it's like a mama hen. Like you, mama hen, I mean, a chicken is a chicken, but you get around its babies, all of a sudden, that crazy thing becomes like a buzzsaw, right? It didn't fight anything. So there's a reality when moms and dads, but in your case, a mother, really begins to war and fight. There's a reality that you have the authority, you have the ability, and the devil knows that. And so if, it, if, if the adversary's watching you and knows to a certain point, you're just going to give up and run off and stop. That's what he's going to push you to. So the reality is, you have that authority, sister. 
And you can do that through Yeshua. You can do that. It may take literally, honestly, fasting, praying, being as much as you can, and then speaking to it in the moment, not losing your cool, not losing your temperance, but being able to speak to that. And that's not easy. Amen? I mean, you got screaming children. It ain't always easy just to act calm and collective, right? You may look like it, but on the inside, you're like, I'm going to break you in half, right? Yeah, I know some of you parents ain't like that, but that's reality. This certain young man was brought to a tent meeting, 12 or 13 years old. We take him outside and we begin to pray three hours. He spit in my mouth, not on my mouth. He spit in, I had to spit it back out. You know what I'm saying? He scratched me, he cussed me, he kicked me, tried to kick me between the legs. We had some pretty stout men holding this little boy down. And everything we did, nothing was working. Nothing. I said, I need to, I want to come to your house. I came to the house, and the house was chaotic. So many levels out of order. So much stuff that was wrong. I told him, I said, I, I've got, I reached out to people that were above me, that had more experience. And they said, unless you would take mom and dad through some stuff, I wouldn't even attempt to do deliverance on the children. And so, I hope all that helps you to understand there's, you have, you have ability, you have the authority, but it may be reality that you get people from the outside and you consent openly and publicly, like I give you permission. I mean, honestly, brothers, there's a reality authority. And I'm not boasting, but I have authority from Brother Petey to sit here. I have authority from Brother Tyler to be a part of this. We have authority from the college to sit here. I've been ordained by a group of elders. I've been backed by a church. All of that authority really does matter. Okay, And so it may be, sister, that you need some intervention from other people that can pray and intercede that understand those things. Okay, So you have authority. Don't be discouraged. But I would actually reach out. And honestly, sometimes they, it takes a day or a week or a month walking through some stuff. The end goal is what we're trying to get to is when they're delivered and they're healed and they're helped and things are in order, right? I mean, just think about it. You've sinned, and that's just not you, sister, but we. You sinned all your life, and you think in five minutes you can repent. Sometimes it takes a little more repentance. Sometimes you've got to go back and make things right. Sometimes with deliverance, we've allowed things to go on for so long, we begin to fight against that. There's a great fight until we end up getting a little leverage and we begin to, begin to win this war and this battle. So don't be discouraged, sister. Your case is not hopeless. Okay. Um, in, in, in deliverance, how necessary or is it necessary uh, to have the person recount trauma, um, especially maybe in ritual abuse? How, is it important for, for the person to recount all of those things that have happened um, try to recall them, or can that actually be more harmful to the person? Um, yeah, is, is it necessary for them to drudge all of that ugly stuff back in order to get it out? I mean, I've, I've, heard, I've heard it said, like, you know, you can't get rid of an infection unless you lance the wound and, and get all the gunk out. but 
in deliverance, is that really important or can it actually be harmful? There is, so I'm gonna give you some, that question is divided, okay? By that I mean, you've got some, some people that lean very heavily that you don't need any of that information, you drive it out. You have a whole nother camp of theological thought that says if you really want to get them free and it doesn't happen again, you need to delve in, okay? So that's, that's just like predestination, all these things that we wrestle with, there's a divided camp on that very issue, okay? My understanding is, if you look scripturally, Yeshua didn't ask about grandma and grandpa and traumas, right? But he was the son of God, right? So my, this is my personal, and this is not PD or nobody, this is my personal belief. If I have enough God in me, I'll just tell it to leave and it leaves, right? The inner healing part is when you begin to hash through some of that stuff and you begin to go to the wounds that have created spots and places where demons come and can rest on and, and, and invade the body. So my understanding is when I'm, and, and I've seen this play out, I've seen deliverances that we're going through and, and the thing just left. Then there's times that I've went through deliverance and it wasn't much moving. I begin to look around and there was a trauma there and I've leaned on other men's ways that I've learned that they dealt with the trauma during the deliverance and closed that wound up and then that thing just left. So again, there's a divided camp on that, on that one question. Yeah, good, good, good thought. Um, I'll, I'll share this. In my experience, when there is someone who has gone through horrific things, we're not obviously talking about really bad stuff, then you can look at that person very often on the outside and you can see the symptoms of what that has done to them. You could, you could just see they are struggling, and they'll tell you the things that they're struggling with, things that seem very unrelated, but they may, oftentimes they know, deep inside they know it's somehow connected. But even in their body, uh, illnesses can come, pains of all sorts can come because of severe traumas of the past, even 20, 30 years ago. So is that not dangerous? Is that in of itself not destroying our body or having a bad impact on our life? And is it not because all those things are buried, repressed, and they have been, and we are repressing them because we are scared of really delving into those things? And so I think that there is a place, so you, a demon can leave, but there is still damage that's been done. There are still things that were said, there are still lies that are believed because those things were never actually dealt with and that person still believes what my mom or what my dad told me 20 years ago, that I'm not worthy and I will never be anything. And that was never addressed and that is destructive and it will remain destructive until the Son of God can speak the truth on that matter. And sometimes the only thing that will bring that opportunity about is for that person, which by the way, those things are often so buried they don't even know they believe those lies. They don't even know where it's come from oftentimes because the mind's defense mechanism, this is not, this is not, this is just how our minds work. Our defense mechanism is in those instances is to, to bury that as a defensive mechanism. And oftentimes that needs to, to an extent, be unearthed so that the truth of what God says can be spoken over a situation so that the person can be set free and live in freedom and get freedom from disease, get freedom from whatever other symptoms are being caused that even seem unrelated. So I'll just add that as well to it. We sit here and I agree with him. There are some who may disagree with me. I'm just sharing where, where I, what I've seen 
and what I have found to be helpful in people's lives. Again, on that very thought, if that's a pattern, that's an open door. Like if that's a wound and they, like our sister was talking about, you begin to hear the same thought, you begin to give way to it, you begin to believe the lie, you begin to act out the lie, you become the lie, and then it's just an open door. That's kind of how that cycle would work. Hey, I wanted to ask, um, I, we've done Wellsprings Ministries for years now, and one of the things that he said while we were there was that you can't pray for a city because you don't have the authority over that city. Like, you can pray for your house and your, you know, your property line, but you can't, you don't have authority over city because he said people that did do something like that, they would go out on a prayer ministry in a bus, and they did that, and then they ended up getting all kinds of diseases and things. Oh, good. Okay, so that's what I was talking about earlier. <laughs> so tell me, just answer this for me. Where does that, that, that what you just said at the, at the end there, of be careful of who you pray for or what you pray for, because all of these demons are going to come right back after you. Is that what a demon would say or what the Son of God would say? Is a demon here to put fear of demons in us? Is that what they're going to try and do? Yes. Is God doing that? No. He said, do not fear the work of the devil. I give you authority over all the works of the devil. All the works of the devil. And nothing shall hurt you. What he said. So, now, do we have authority? Yes, we have authority. We have authority to cast out demons. And that's your answer. You're, you're, what you're doing is you're coming and you're interceding for a city. You're coming and you're saying, uh, all the works of darkness, Father, we come against this in the name of Yeshua. Father, bring your Holy Spirit into this place. Bring freedom into this place. Come into Springdale, O oh God. Bring a revival, O oh God. That's why this is here, by the way. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, give a word of encouragement. Um, in, my, in my one big experience in this in my life, um, you know, I, I, well, first I'll, I'll back up. When we're dealing with this stuff, we're not just in our corner alone in a boxing ring. You know, we, we do have an advocate that, that is standing behind us, that, that is there with us, you know, backing us up, if you will. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just, um, I just got to say, like, I, I'm also reminded of the time in uh, Scripture where it says, don't, don't worry about what to say. Um, because in the moment, uh, the, the Spirit will give you the right words to say, right? He'll, he'll show you what to do in the moment. And in this particular time, there, there was a loved one that was, they, they uh, turned on some music and something different than I had ever heard them listen to before. And it was like really demonic and dark and weird. I'm like, what is this? And they, they turned and looked at me and said, what? And their pupils were super dilated. And that was immediate, an indicator of like, whoa, this is something weird. And um, um, they, they just, it, that, that, that shift that you mentioned earlier, if there's like just some kind of immediate shift in this behavior, um, that can be a great indicator too. And they just completely switched into some different personality. And um, I started thinking about like, I don't really know what to do about this. This is kind of strange and it's, and then they started getting aggressive. Um, but then 
I felt like the spirit said, no, you do know what to do. And immediately I, I, I jumped up, put my hand on this person's forehead and said, I, I come against you in the name of Yeshua, Jesus. You have no place here. You need to go right now. And um, just started walking them backwards. And um, I, I had my eyes closed as well. And uh, in my mind, I saw like this dark room that I just turned a flashlight on. And it, it illuminated kind of in this dim light, whatever type of demon, I guess. Um, it, it just was this horrible looking entity. And I wasn't sure what to do. And for just a, a brief moment, I kind of backed off in like a slight bit of fear. But then immediately after that, it was like that advocate I was mentioning, right, just almost roared like a lion. And I, I began to speak with a higher authority to this thing in in tongues that I, I you know, it just flowed out and I, I spoke to this thing. But in my mind, I, I was saying, whatever you are, I don't care. I come in the name of Yeshua Jesus. You need to get out now. And I, I heard it in my mind screech and, and then I didn't see it anymore. And uh, yeah, then... Then the, the whole atmosphere of the room kind of changed, and I felt peace, and uh, then everything was normal again. Um, and then afterward, the, this, this person said, you know, that, that was a really weird experience. Um, I don't really know, but I, I, I tried to speak. I could not move. I tried to, like, my, my mouth would not work. And, I mean, th- this stuff works. This stuff is real. You know, and um, yeah, my my biggest point is, you know, if if you're in the moment and you and you don't fully know what to do, even if you start to feel fearful, just that that's the moment to press in, because then immediately, I mean, the father's gonna work. The father's gonna do something because he he obviously put you there for a reason, right? And and the spirit's gonna flow, whether you need it to or not. Um, so my question is, there's a lot of like written out prayers, right? For like generational things. And like, if Jesus became a curse for us and set us free, why do we have to like specifically pray through all these specific things? I mean, like, aren't we already set free at salvation and we're you know, we're working that out daily, but I don't know, like, what to think about all that. And when people, like, give you, like, long prayers, just listing everything, like, let's just cover it all, and you're repenting of everything, you're like, okay, just in case, I repent of this, and this, and this, I'll renounce, you know, and you're like, mouth is dry, you're just saying all these things, <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, you can't even pronounce some of the words that you're <laughs> repenting, just in case, like, I don't know, I feel like I don't really see that in the Bible, but I understand generational things, and then some people are like, well, I repent of this generational thing all the way back to Adam and Eve. What if you only repented back to grandma? You know, like, why is it like that? Like, I just don't know what to think of all that. So, and I know there is a lot of opinions about the written out prayers and things. But, yeah, specifically the stuff about, like, if you don't 
can you do a generic list like that or should you more just like hone in on if there's something specific? Does that make sense? Okay. Thanks. Absolutely. All right. So first off, there's nothing wrong with reading a prayer. Okay? So just reading a prayer, there's nothing wrong with that in of its essence. It really depends a lot on what this prayer is because I'm, I'm just going to say I've seen deliverance prayers that are just like, well, that is like so weird. It's not in the Bible. It's, it's really calling on things that aren't in the Bible. And so be careful of those things. In that sense, you always have to think about what's biblical. And if you're not sure what the Bible, if you're not familiar with the Bible, well then first get familiar with the Bible before you read extra biblical things and get too familiar with that. Here's the thing. Yeah, it's not like God's going to be like, well, you didn't repent all the way back to Adam and Eve, so sorry. Like, okay, no. Um, and you didn't get the name of the demon. Or, you, like, God is powerful. He is all-knowing. He knows. And, yes, he gives us knowledge where needed about certain, certain situations. Absolutely. But be careful also, because the enemy wants us to think that there's some mystery that's keeping our deliverance from us. There's just some secret that we need to unlock that's, that only some person has written in some obscure book somewhere. The solution is in your Bible that we each have. It is in the power of the name of Yeshua. Now, there is nothing wrong with reading through things that can be renounced to identify if there's something that you didn't think about. I think that it's fine. Like, if, if my parents struggled with something, like Tom talked about his family, uh, what he had to go through and, and face, you know, sometimes we don't think about those things. We don't identify it even. But when we, when we think about the things that can be there, we can be like, oh, yeah, my mom struggled or my dad struggled with that. And wow, that's something. But it's not, so there's nothing wrong with that. But again, I wouldn't be like, well, you didn't go for this and this and this thing, so you can't be delivered. It's always good to repent if there's something to repent from. Praise the Lord if he brings that forward. But don't see that as some restriction, some limitation, some door that's going to keep your deliverance from you. He will show you everything that you need to know to get freedom. What you're doing is breaking the enemy's lie. So when you read that, to me, my understanding is I agree with Brother Petey is there's a lot of prayers and you know you pray this prayer for this thing and you pray this prayer for that thing you pray this prayer for that thing and, and by the time you get done you're wore out but the what is embodied in that prayer is trying to bring light to a dark area of your mind so you might read it and be like oh i never thought of that and that would be so, so I agree with brother Petey. but if you just if, when your heart is right with god and you say lord i repent i'm coming before you you know, when I, when I got converted, I didn't know anything about nothing. I wasn't raised in church. I just knew I couldn't be saved, and I was gone, and I was lost. And I said, Lord, I can't change me if you will change me. God changed me. I didn't know any of those things. So I think like Brother Petey was talking is, we want to have this fear like, well, there's something I didn't confess, you know, 40 years ago, and it's still haunting me. That's not the truth. That would be you believing that, coming into agreement with that, and then that begins to get authority over your life, and then you begin to walk that out. So part of that, I think, is not the, 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 the prayer is not fear tactic, but that's what the devil can twist it to be. And so, again, with Brother Petey, 
Christ breaks every yoke, every bondage, every curse. Everything is broken in His name, right? He didn't, I mean, again, if we, I know what we're trying to do our best, and I've, I respect all the deliverance leaders and those that have gone before me. They have more knowledge and wisdom than me. We truly are fighting a different animal. We're fighting cell phones and computers. We're fighting a demonology or demons that are like just, they know it's the end. It's chaotic. We are in a different battle than maybe we see in other generations. But the, the remedy is still the same. It's the blood of Christ. It's the power of the name. Amen. Those two things are what routes demons, that break curses, that heals bodies. It's the same thing. Amen. The church has not exercised her authority, nor has it went out and done the works that Yeshua said to do. That's why we see that. And when God comes back, He doesn't deal with the world. He deals with the church. Amen. So it's our responsibility as the body of Christ to begin to do that. But what we find is, and if, I don't know if you found this to be, is when you trying to get local pastors together is not impossible, but almost impossible. Theologically, they're divided. Racially, they're still divided. Economically, we're still divided. And a divided house can't stand until we come into the unity. That's why what Brother Petey's doing and what we're trying to accomplish, bringing the spirit and the truth and bringing a unity, there's power in unity. There's something that will happen when the body of Christ becomes one. That's when there are reckoning force in their community, in the state, in the city. That's when you see like the kingdom of God really manifested and really come. And that's what we're here for. That's what I think is happening. That's why I think you're here. That's why I'm here. Because that's actually yeah, happening. It's good. I'll just add one last thing to that, what you asked is, because the gospel has fallen by the wayside, it's not being preached in the ways it should be, and it's not being lived out in the ways it should be, that's where sin will come in in the ways it has. And so... It's important for, you know, fellowship leaders to take a stand on sin. But if they are not actually putting the gospel on the forefront, you know, you can do Torah portions all day long, and that's great. I do it myself. I study, I teach the Torah portion. However, if the gospel isn't preached the way that Yeshua preached it and his disciples preached it, then, you know, you can try and say, you're not keeping the law, you're not keeping the law, and you're being whatever, whatever, whatever. But at the end of the day you're not giving them the solution to be free because it's not by their works that they're going to be free. It's by the work of the cross. And so the Holy Spirit is the only one who's going to be able to set them free from homosexuality or whatever that sin is. And so that has to be returned, that we have to call to our assemblies, our leaders, if it's not being preached, the gospel is not being preached, call and say, let's preach the gospel. Bring the gospel back. We need the saving gospel back. And I'm not talking about Jesus loves me, this I know. We, we are not talking about that. We're talking about preaching the necessity of the gospel that puts a tear in our eyes. Not the, the thing that, yes, we know, we know, we know. The problem is people say that, but no one really knows because if they did, they wouldn't act the way they do. And I just want to add to that. We were down, I live in the Bible Belt, in the Buckle, East Tennessee. We were preaching on the street, and I'm preaching about repentance. This young lady comes up to me and she said, I've never heard this preached in my church. I said, what do you mean? She said, I mean, they talk about it, but I've never heard the pastor from behind the pulpit preach about what repentance is and that we needed to repent. This is a major church in our area. It's not being preached. 
So if the gospel is not being preached, which is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, right? If the gospel is not being preached, how can people be saved, converted, healed, helped, and delivered when it's the power of the gospel? Not the power of the Torah portion, not the power of the feast, the power of the gospel that brings salvation to an area. And that's just another word for what? Deliverance. Setting the captives free. So it's the gospel. I agree, yes. This, we, we've just been talking about this, the, the LGBT community. And it's not just in Springdale, Arkansas. It's everywhere. It is worldwide, but it's tearing our country up. And I, I would just like to ask the parents to watch your children. We, we've seen them that grew up in Torah, that grew up in the traditional church. And we, we thought, okay, well, they're good. We're good. You know, we went to youth group. We did all this. But if they don't have, if they don't know who they are, if they don't know their identity in Yahushua, if they don't know that, they're, they're turning. They're turning by the thousands, by the millions to this thing. And my question actually is, do you agree that it is a demonic op oppression thing that's going on with these kids? And what do we do about it? Let's see here. Yeah, absolutely it's demonic, of course. We all need to be doing something. And so that's why it's... So here's the thing with our children, if I might just add this. In general, speaking in our culture, there's a reason that this is happening to our children. Okay? Because they're a threat, because the enemy is scared of that generation, because he sees a calling on their life and he wants to stop it. He is always after, it's like when Pharaoh was after the young ones at the time uh, in, in Egypt. And so in the same way, they're trying, the, the, the Pharaoh, if you will, is trying to throw the babies in the river all over again. And so what is the solution? We pray for God to raise up a Moses. In fact, I think it's not just gonna be about a Moses, it's gonna be about a generation of people who rise up to lead my people out of Egypt. And so ultimately, we have to make sure that our children, and this is key because I will say this, that generally speaking, the parents of this genera of the generations we're talking about now, generally speaking, the parents have in some ways failed to communicate the gospel, not because it's a parent's fault in of itself, but because of the gospel falling by the wayside in churches as a whole. And so many of the things that the children need, see, we teach them about the basics that we think is best, but what they need is they need to know their savior. Because if they know him, the most important identity in the world, they can know themselves because they were made in his image. But they don't know him, so they don't know what the image is that they were made in. So they take the image of the world and they become that. And so if we can come back to them and show them who Yeshua is as a person, not just a book, a person, a living person who's living today, and that means he still sets people free. That means he still actually opens the eyes of the blind, that he still, he still casts out demons, that the power of the Holy Spirit that Paul said, I have a big head, I have a lot of knowledge, I know so much, but yet I empty myself for the sake of the 
realization that his spirit is what matters and what will make people believe in him and not in just a person or a man or what I have said, but in the living God, that, that demonstration of the spirit is what our children need. And without the return of the demonstration of the spirit, and that's what this conference is about, that's why we invite you here so that you can take this to your cities, your congregations, so that you can share this, so that they can get a taste and see that he is good, he's never changed, and so that this can have a trickle effect to the children. And here's the thing is, it's not game over. It's not game over. The power of God of multiplication is so immense. He did it with a few men in the first century, a few men. We have way more people in this room. And he said, I will do that, but I will do it even greater. He's going to continue doing it greater and greater and greater until the end of the age when he sets foot on this earth again. And we should not think it's getting weaker. He is not getting weaker. He is not weak. He is strong in us. And so let's believe in what he says and who he says he is and who we have been made to be. And let's make sure for the sake of our children that when we go to the grocery store, we don't leave empty handed. When we go to our workplace, we don't leave empty handed. And I'm talking about when you go to the grocery store, you better not just be going for a grocery run. When you get out of bed in the morning, it's not about just dragging your feet to work and back again, going through the cycle of life every day again and again and again. And it's the same story. You were made, you were made to breathe the gospel so that wherever you go, you will proclaim that gospel and they will come to hear and your children need that more than anything. They need to see their mom, they need to see their dad walk this out because then they will. They will. So that's what I believe that what we can do. Yeah, I'm just going to give you an example, a small one. One day we were doing a Bible study, our family, and we were reading through the book of Romans, and we got to the place where it said men with men and women with women. And my daughter, Ellie, said, Dad, she said, it's right here. Why do, why do people believe that men can be married to men and women to women? I said, she said, it's right here. I said, well, that's because you're a believer. She said, no, Dad, I'm talking about in the church. I said, that's because you're a believer. You read it, and you believed it, and you allowed it into your heart to, to determine how you look at things is based on the Word of God, right? If the foundations of the righteous be destroyed, what will the righteous do? What do you think the devil's done? He's destroyed the foundation that we stand on. That's why all of this, even the, what did Yeshua say? Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold, Right? So that's what you're seeing. You're seeing an evidence of what he prophesied. But I want to say this. The devil and God are not arch enemies. Do you understand that? The devil will never be equal to God. God create, Jesus Christ created Satan. Do you understand that? He, the Bible, you don't believe that? Yeshua is the creator of all things seen and unseen. Visible and invisible, right? So if it's been created, the Son of God created it. God and Satan are not on equal terms. Not, don't even think it. They're, you know who the arch enemy of Satan is? You. You know why? You are created in the image of God. Do you not know we, the saints, shall judge the angels? Why do you think he hates you so? He's not God's arch enemy. It's, not, it's impossible. God could smush him just like he could smush us. And just, right? You guys are quiet. Do you believe that or what? Okay. You guys are scaring me. 
God is all powerful. Our God, our Father, you can call it whatever name you want to. I call him Father. Amen. Our Father is greater than every other name, right? Right? So I, we don't have to fear. I mean, if you've got enough authority to cast it out, you can tell it where to go and not to come back if you can get it out, right? Don't fear. I know we're done with questions, I'm pretty sure, I guess. But don't fear. Don't go off into fear. But understand that, and this is not to make you fearful, you're the enemy. The dragon went to make war with her seed. Those that have the testimony of Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and in conjunction, they join two together, and they keep the commandments of God. Right? So if that's you, then you're the one the dragon is looking at and looking for. And just something he said, I want you to think about this. In the time of Moses, mass murder of the children, right? What was going on? Do you think the devil was looking for someone coming? I believe he did. In the time of Yeshua, mass murder of children. Who is he looking for? Herod was looking for the promised Messiah. Our generation, mass murdering of children. What is getting ready to happen? Who's getting ready to come on the scene? Why are they digging into the blood trying to figure out what are they looking for? Something's getting ready to happen. Amen? Yeah, I believe it's a generation. It could be the two witnesses. There's a lot of things that can pop up in this generation that for all of a sudden they're doing the same thing they've done in times past. That's why you and I should be looking up. Our redemption is drawing nigh. Amen? It's a good time to be alive, brothers and sisters. Press into God. All right, let's pray. Uh, Father, Lord, we just lift up every word that was spoken here tonight. Lord, we, we ask, Father, that you would let this bear much fruit. We pray, Lord, that you would grow our faith. Father, I pray that you would come with your spirit and give us boldness to tread on serpents. Father, to, to have all the authority, Father, that you have given us to promise, that you've promised us to walk it out in confidence, Father. And I pray, Father, for the children that we've been discussing now. Father, I ask, Father, that what you did over and over and over again in the scriptures of your deliverance, the stories you've left for us, Father, we thank you, Father, that you've delivered our ancestors from the slaveries in Egypt. And Father, I thank you that that is a picture for us of what you're going to do again in our generation. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you use us as a generation to be faithful to your call to follow the cloud, to not be complainers, to not be wanting to go back to the lemons and leeks, but Father, for us to look to the Son of the living God, for you to take us to that promised land, you, for us and our children to inherit it, for us to not die in the wilderness, but for us to see you face to face, Father, for that is the next step. And Father, we long for that. We can't wait for that, Lord. We thank you for that you have even entrusted us in this time, even before that coming day. For now, you've entrusted us with the gospel. Father, I pray, Lord, we have, some, we have lost sight of that. And I ask, Father, that you would help us to return to that most important event, event in all of history, that most precious sacrifice, that thing, Father, which may never be forgotten, which may never lose priority. Oh, Father, I pray that you would restore it back into the body of Christ for where it is supposed to be so we may see restoration, revival, and cities change for you. We pray that in the name of Yeshua. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you for the Son. Amen.